Hey, Dylan. Yeah, Coop? Dude, you remember Macross Frontier? amount of it but like oh boy was there something i completely forgot about uh-huh. that we're gonna talk about yeah I, I i remembered it but i might have if we're talking about the same thing it kind of i think we are because boy i saw a meme related to it and i was like i want to send this to dylan but no i'm not gonna spoil it for him <laughs> thank you thank you because it actually kind of <laughs> kind of wrecked me yeah uh-huh <laughs> it was i was like you know i uh <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think I got too comfortable. I think the the pineapple cake made me too comfortable. I think so. I would kind of agree with you, because um, we got a kakizaki <laughs> surprise, so that doesn't that doesn't sound right. Except it's the Maximilian. Yep. Uh huh. Although I guess between these two characters, I, I guess I would imagine Luca's probably the more likely gamer. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh. And now I'm just remembering we're uh, ta- talking about a certain character. There's a Tamino quote that's been going around because somebody was talking yep. about when uh, uh-huh. Turn A was going to get talking about Turn A being a video game. We saw like, why play video games where you can just be having sex? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What a, <laughs> what a legend. I know. It's so good. Like... Every Tomino quote is like, I, you know, I can kind of get where you're coming from, and I admire your work just enough to take this in good faith, but also I want to fist fight you, old man. Like, I, I think Tomino is like a level of unhinged and knows it, and it's just like, I'm just gonna say some shit and see what happens, and I'm like, well... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh say this like I've definitely had moments where I've been on like some Tomino brainwaves of mm-hmm. like, but then like you know I I'm also self conscious enough to be like what the fuck are you talking about yeah uh huh uh huh <laughs> and like pull myself back in. <laughs> but you you know that if Tomino had a Twitter account and I I don't know if he is aware of memes he probably is because he is one, um I would be <laughs> seeing him post those Mega Mind bitches memes oh my god <laughs> bitches <laughs> and he would get like in a twitter wars with uh with uh uh makoto shinkai who directed your name be like well i guess you need to go get laid <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and like yeah even then i'm gonna say like again the tomino brainwaves are like just enough that like i get where he's coming from there of like you know, chase romances can be nice, but like sometimes you want a little steak with the sizzle. Yeah, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I get you. Um, and like not even in like a horn dog porny way, but just kind of like a. I mean, people fuck like that's a what well, to date this episode real quick. That seems to be the um current discourse around our flag means death. Like it's it's all right for for full grown characters to fuck and have sex. Like that's another layer of romance it's fine it's allowed even 
Um, I, but like, <laughs> I have no again. I, sorry for dating this episode. You're good. I have no idea what you're talking about, so it's already so, there. There is a current uh, wave of discourse on my on my Twitter thread, at mm-hmm. least, that are talks about like how, um, there is fan art of this show called Our Flag Means Death, where um that depicts like the I I think I have not seen Our Flag Means Death. I. It is my understanding that it is a about a ship of gay pirates, mm. um, and uh, you know, uh, there's fan art uh, depicting the characters in intimate uh, relationships, um, oh, and yeah. I guess like the creators have been like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is awesome, you know, because like whatever, like these are f- uh, fictional depictions of fictional grown men having sex, whatever, who cares um but like there's a wave of people who are like this makes me uncomfortable and like why are you show like you cannot depict gay people having sex <laughs> um and i am not part because th- this is like a a uh, conversation that is happening within the gay community so mm-hmm. i don't want to speak too much on this like that is a whole separate um topic but i can understand the frustrations of this is an adult work for adults like this is like because it's a different matter from Mm -hmm. like uh you know steven universe i guess um where like those are adult fictional space lesbian rocks um Mm -hmm. but it's still child's media so like i can understand that you know to some degree but like here it's just like what (laughs) yeah you have no power here gandalf (laughs) greyhand I, I can kind of see what you're talking about because I've also seen like on my feed a lot of talk about kink at pride. And again, yeah. I'm not the person, the right person to talk about that. So yeah, it's... this is not my wheelhouse. I want to stress, but like as an outsider looking in, um, just like, I, I feel like there, there is a space for these types of stories and to bring this back to the original topic. Um, I can understand why uh, Tomino would criticize this about like, Makoto Shinkai's yep. uh, romance arcs. Mm-hmm. At the same time, <laughs> bruh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. get over yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because um, there's also a space for these more, you know, quote unquote, chaste romances. And, like, you know, we should be able to have both types of stories. And luckily for us, with Macross Frontier here, it's somewhere in the middle. Um,. Which we will... Yeah, like, I... (laughs) 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 Oh, boy, we have a lot to talk about this. We do, we do, we do. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll get to that, because I I really like these episodes of Macross Frontier. Um, I did want to bring up a couple things since we invoked the yoshiyuki tomino name um i do before that we have a couple news things to get through really quick before we okay yes before we uh devolve uh <laughs> tomino devolve and then we finally get to the summary so um i sent this to you the other night at wondercon last week uh mike from creative spear and tom bateman who used to work with harmony gold uh, they had a panel at um wondercon and they were talking about the, the, the process to get Macross uh, Plus out in theaters. And uh, Adrian Lozano, I was tweeting about and mentioned, hey, we might have something to tease. 
and then he t- tweeted again later, yeah, my next tweet won't be April Fool's joke because this was on April 2nd. And then mm. <laughs> he did another tweet after it with a Sagittarius don't be late reference. And I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing here, Adrian. I see what you're doing here. And then word comes out that they announced that both uh, Frontier movies are going to be coming through Fathom Events this summer. So... I'm stoked. Uh, there hasn't been a bigger official word from Big West just yet, but stuff on Twitter from like uh, looking at tweets from Adrian and Gwen, it seemed like they were able to say, hey, it's happening and can't say anything more. So, you know, that's really dope. Uh, and it being summer, I might actually be able to go, go see these in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the biggest thing that got me was seeing those English Locos, man. Yeah, that's honestly like it. It felt kind of surreal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see those, especially like it, when those come out. It'll be this is also depending on COVID and other stuff out of people's hands, because who knows if they'll get moved around. Um, but I'm excited to see those movies again in theaters, being coming off very fresh from it, because it's going to come out like shortly after we revisit those movies or visit those movies here on the podcast. Incredible. So what I'm hearing is, uh, <laughs> this would be a terrible idea, but um, my first viewing of the movies should be through my brother's Chinese bootleg or Hong Kong bootleg uh, <laughs> DVDs. <laughs> um, and then my, my actual like valid evaluation should be the official movie release. There we go that's i won't i won't confirm or deny that as a bad way to go see it <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember if like those bootlegs because that's how i watched the original show mm. i i can't remember if like those boot i i remember them being decent certainly better than the common rider bootlegs yeah, i watched yeah. and um certainly 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 better than the gundam x bootlegs i watched <laughs> oh boy oh boy i i love my brother like we, I, I think sometimes he's intentionally bought the bootlegs just for the 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 meme of oh, it. Oh, I like from what you described about um your brother, especially because he seems like more old head than either of us. He is surprisingly old head, um, but like, also surprisingly new head. Like with no in between. Like I feel like Coop, you and I, like once we got on the old head train, like we became like curmudgeonly old people. But like. My my brother is like yeah he'll watch City Hunter and then in the same breath watch, uh, God I gotta think of it anime like I I do not know what is on the modern sphere. My dress up darling. I mean yeah that's a good one but like I I feel like there's a better example that I just can't name because I don't know what modern anime uh, my brother watches. I do know that he's also he's also super into Don Hua, um mm. so he loves uh Soul End, um. I think that's what it's called. It sounds like your brother's like, I'll watch all animation. Doesn't care when it came through. And I'm like, my man. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find this. Soul Land. Soul Land. Okay. That's what it's called. Because it kind of, you're talking about that reminds me, because I don't have it anymore. But the time I got, I found a uh, bootleg GTO box set at a goodwill and just had to pick it up yeah i'm like why is this here why is right. this here <laughs> in the middle of nowhere 
I mean, you know, sometimes you just gotta gotta keep it in circulation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> As the old old head said, keep on rewriting the tapes. <laughs> exactly. That I was about to reference that. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's that, and um, it's also been about a year since the big announcement happened, which we weren't. Which is funny that it happened like a month after we got uh, fooled something good. Um, yeah. But I, I have seen some talk about like people are like, hey, where are those Blu-rays? And with stuff like this, uh, it's and also the interview, I can tell that there's grease in the wheels. This 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 stuff takes time. And yes, we've been waiting for this for so long. We're going to wait a little bit longer, at least for me. That's fine, because I want to see this stuff get the proper love it it needs and deserves. And like. I'm going to be there day one when stuff comes out. So, and I know there's a handful of folks who are going to be there day one too. So Mm -hmm. chill thine self. We will get it soon. Just in the meantime, support horizon. Yep. Support what's available. Go see the Fava events. If you feel safe doing so, because some people have also made good points. We're still in a pandemic. So, you know, do what you feel safe. Um, if you have the right. money to blow on that new Valkyrie they're doing, I know that's a lot of money because it's like $200. If you want to do that or if you want to buy uh, the music instead of just having it on Apple Music or whatever, just buy it digitally. I'm usually not a big fan of buying stuff digitally like that. But again, yeah, any, li- any little bit <laughs> to show some support because it, my, my brain right now, it's like, in the West, at least. And when I say the West, I mean the U.S. Because there should be more stuff happening in Europe and other places um, distribution-wise. But that's not happening. And I feel for all y'all. I wish stuff got over to you the same time as America did. Because it's kind of nonsense that it doesn't. Um, but just support where you can for right now. Um, that's all I, I got to say. So that's me. I mean, that's a that's a very good public service announcement mm-hmm. i feel like so that's it that's that's the new stuff that's the stuff so um invoking the name of one yoshiyuki tomino yet again before we get into these episodes um let's talk let's have a mobile suit gun to minute that you threatened the last time we talked dylan <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry macross fans this is a gundam podcast now <laughs> welcome to dude you remember gundam <laughs> um i i also like watching this because i am up to episode 15 i have watched Do- uh, cruise cruise dones island that episode. as you should um i mean like is it a little jank yeah but it's it's harmless it's i was uh the giant robot fm guys invited me to talk some news with them last night and they asked me about it and i was like uh, it, it's it's no different or worse animation than the rest of the series. Like there's whole shots where the Gundam is hilariously off model. In episodes I don't know if through. I would agree with that necessarily, but like I do think like as as age has like affected Gundam, it like Cruise Cruise Dones Island is far less egregious than it might have been when yeah. it originally aired. Because mm-hmm. I I I like the episode. Um, I think it's one of the better episodes in trying to humanize some of the Xeon mm-hmm. soldiers. And I'm not, I'm not defending them because 
Zeon soldiers have a, especially like the zombies, have a tendency, oddly, by the Western fan base to be a little overly romanticized. Which yeah, uh, I too boy yeah yeah. So um like but like you know the the average Zeon grunts I think um honestly there's a lot of like Zeon grunts and extras that like are just super fucking endearing in the original show yeah because I I enjoy them. Because with the white base, because um, we were talking about this when we revisit Macross, you mentioned how, like, they're so scrambled uh, on the Macross when things first happen. And they're all professionals. In this case, nobody knows what's going on at all. Because, like, right. the first five episodes are all like, I guess we should go to this base. I don't know what's going on here. Some some Zeon loser just blew up some stuff because he wanted to be a hero. Which, it for me... I really enjoy that from like coming back to it because the pacing is so much better in the show than the trilogy. Oh my God. Um, well, yeah, I think for a lot of people, the issue is that the pacing is like very slow. It, it, it's not a, it's not a bingeable show. I don't know. It, it definitely um, wears on you after a bit. I can say that. But like, I think when you, when you kind of take each episode as its own thing, like this is the Gundam event of the week. Um, and I feel like that's a mentality that's, like, you really have to, like, kind of unlearn, like, basically a decade of, like, Netflix-style binging mm-hmm. uh, practices. Um, like, you, you really got to kind of unprogram that and be like, all right, I'm taking each episode as its own kind of thing. These episodes are, like, very tightly mm-hmm. written and structured. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would argue more so than Zeta Gundam. <laughs> I, I I'll be interested to see how that folds on out because I, I I thought that the first episodes of Zeta were really strong and just getting right to the point because for I, me oh go ahead oh yeah sorry go ahead I'll let you talk because I felt like the engine on uh on uh MSG needed to like warm up a little bit like it's it starts on a great note but it took me like maybe till about episode eight to fully get into it mm-hmm. So, this is my perspective on uh, Mobile Suit Gundam versus Zeta Gundam. I think Mobile Suit Gundam does kind of need to take a while, but I I feel like that's more like you kind of have to, like, get into the world and become attached to the characters. And, like, once you kind of realize um, what each character, who each character is and what their deal is and, like, how they kind of relate to one another, going back to the those initial like eight episodes it's actually surprisingly easy mm-hmm. um and so like you you the plot twist of like your first viewing of mobile suit gundam is that like oh these episodes were always good i just kind of had to warm up to it first mm-hmm. I um because like i don't think anything about the episodes structurally changes i don't think anything about like the plot the pacing i don't think any of that actually changes it's just kind of like you have to attune to its rhythm Mm. whereas in zeta gundam i think like the rhythm starts out a lot more fast-paced and something that grabs your attention a lot more but then it settles kind of into that old gundam pacing um i can see that and that old gundam pacing is good but i think like with my latest viewing like there are some episodes that just have like much weaker like like episode of the week plot plotting Mm -hmm than uh the original mo- it's like a really weird thing to uh to describe but i think like even though zeta gundam i think has like 
I like the conflict more. I think it does a lot more interesting things with like the concept of new types. Um, to a limited extent, I think some of the gender discussion is a little bit more interesting. But I, when I say that, I mean that like entirely with Camille. And don't talk to me about Rekawa. Don't talk to me about Rosamia. Don't talk to me about Va. Don't talk like what about Tomino gen- and writing women? <laughs> yeah, like it's uh, you know, it's rough, and it is yeah. particularly rough um in Zeta Gundam. <laughs> uh, but like I, I think like insofar as like Camille and like kind of working through his um his need to defend his masculinity and even accepting his femininity. I think there's a lot of really good stuff there. Um, and, you know, there's... I, I, I could, like, do a full-blown video essay on, like, kind of the highs and lows of Zeta Gundam is basically what I'm saying. Mm. Um, but, like, with all that said, um, as interesting a show as I think Zeta Gundam is in, like, the grand scheme of things and, like, in the greater sense of it... I do think that, like, there are some episodes that feel kind of... Where the plot feels kind of slapped together in a way that, like, the original Mobile Suit Gundam feels a lot more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just me. Um, but I, I don't think that's just me. <laughs> I think uh, as people... As more people have been getting into Gundam, and as more people have been giving the original show, like, its actual fair shake that it deserves, I think more people are kind of realizing, like... The original Gundam was always good, and, you know, it's the the meme of the astronaut behind him being like, always mm. has been. I thought of that more than once while watching it, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned, talking about Zeta, I have noticed, like, recently kind of people cooling on Zeta a bit, because uh, I remember saying, hey, I think I'm gonna maybe try and finish Zeta in 2022. Who knows? Um mm-hmm. Like, I think you totally should. I mm. I still think Zeta is, like, a very good show. It's it's still my, like, third favorite Gundam series mm. behind the original in turn A. Um, although I do really like Double Zeta. I think Double Zeta gets, like, a lot of undue hate. Mm-hmm. I think, like, the first, like, 20 episodes are kind of rough. But... What I've heard, it sounds like people are coming around on Double Zeta and people are Double Zeta is a lot Zeta. easier to watch after you've seen Zaboongle and like mm. maybe some other Tomino stuff. I've, um, I've been thinking about watching Zaboongle uh, just because mm-hmm. it's lighter. And then also like a lot of the stuff in this made me go, oh, like the three kids on the ship and the cr- cranky older dude. Oh, I just watch Eureka 7 as well. Like, I've been thinking about returning to Eureka 7, dude. I I didn't really like it when I... Or I liked it, but I didn't love it when I first watched mm. it. And I think part of that was, like, um, immediately after watching Eureka 7, I watched uh, Gurren Lagann, which appealed to, like, the dumb 14-year-old mm. that I was. I get you. Um, and, like, it was so much more over the top and, like, so much more... I guess at the time I felt like it was more irreverent than um Eureka 7 and there was something about that that felt like kind of not subversive like I don't want to say unlike Eureka 7 (laughs) Gurren Lagann was about the characters because that's definitely not true but I I think like the third act of Eureka 7 kind of lost me and at the time I felt like the third act of Gurren Lagann was kind of taking the piss out of that not specifically Eureka 7 but just like this general mecha anime like kind of because i i've noticed a trend in mecha anime where like the third arc always like you know that's when you introduce new types that's when like 
the third arc of Votoms and the third arc of Eraka Seven and the third arc of Neon Genesis Evangelion all kind of like yeah. take the conflict and like put them in like a huge left field direction. Um, and I always thought that uh, Gurren Lagan was taking the piss out of that. Um, I realize now, like, no, Gurren Lagan was just like, yeah, we're gonna spiral out of control because that is what we want to do because mm-hmm. this is a love letter to like fucking go into guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Now I should check that out again. So, uh, there's a couple shows I'm like, now that I'm older and have a little more media literacy, I should check that out. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also binged Eureka Seven, which probably didn't yeah. do it any favors. Like it was the, you know, it's it's the same issue I think you had with Chainsaw Man, where it's like, yeah. no, you you got to take yeah. your time with this type of, with this type of medium. Yeah, because it, it's also fifty episodes, and my brain goes, oh, you gotta let that breathe. Yeah, because I'm I'm taking my time right now. We're talking about Netflix with Tiger and Bunny two just dropping. I uh, watched the first two episodes and I've let it set because I'm like I'm gonna take my time with this. And also, mm-hmm. it's one of those shows that feels like you know when you get together with your friends from college and you haven't seen them in a while, but it feels like mm-hmm. you pick up right where you left off. Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely it's, get that. The show is that, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's been excellent for those first two episodes. And also, who knows when the second half of the season is going to drop, like, later this year. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. take my time and savor this first 13 episodes. <laughs> so, but... Um, yeah, definitely good. We still need to talk about Gundam. I know. <laughs> I like... Sorry. It's all good. I, I've, been, I've, uh, I've been enjoying it. Um, I think, for me, just seeing all the elements of, oh, this thing from that show came from here... Or this and that, mm-hmm. just how influential it is. It's it's like, and also seeing, I think for me, what a couple things. One, I mentioned how I like the the occasional humanization of some of the Xeon grunts, showing mm-hmm. it, even though they're they are the baddies, they have a little humanity in them. Um, but what I also love in that like that same episode with, um, the mom and the kid going, um. Mm-hmm. And the Xeon guy helping them, where Amro gets in a situation, and this is something I remember about Turn A that I loved. Those episodes where you don't want the Gundam to be involved. It's almost like a horror movie. You don't want the comedy <laughs> of errors to continue at all. And right. you're, you're you're so clenched, hoping, oh God, just Amaro, you just stay hidden. You shouldn't have been here to begin with. And and then things turn out okay at the end, but you're like Oh my god! I see how bad <laughs> this could have gone. Cause, right. Um, because I've also like I like again, yeah, it's same creator, and obviously he's referencing himself in Turn A. But I'm also been thinking to myself, man, Turn A feels like Tomino sat down with his old MSG scripts and was like, "What can I do with this to you know make it a little more?" Yeah, like the. Uh... The uh, Ameria soldiers holding a, a mutiny yeah. on the ship because they want to go back to Earth versus like the the refugees uh, wanting holding a mutiny on mm-hmm. the white base because they want to get off on Earth. And I, I that and I also think in the moments like there's way more humanizing moments for everybody in Turn A because again mm-hmm. I, I can't get out the moment and we've talked about this before where mm-hmm. um, Diana is cleaning washing the bloody sheets at the hospital field mm. hospital 
and um Lauron comes in and he uses the hand of a Gundam like a washing machine like yeah like those there's or the episode with um the cow they're trying to transport or yeah the woman we find out that is uh keith's grandmother-in-law like those like just those little episodes and you see glints of those moments in msg Mm -hmm. then i'm like i i i i I, I like this and i see how (laughs) the how the creative uh, creative spark in tomino's mind went Okay, this is my first try at doing this, and he's right. done a couple other shows where he probably did things similarly before that. But um, it's like he he took the time with each individual show to get better and better at it. Because I, I mm-hmm. if Tomino said I'm out of the industry after turn A, I think that would have been the best note for him to leave on possible. Because that show is fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm still excited to watch. Actually, I've heard really good things about Overman King Gainer. I want to see that too. King um, Gainer, rather. Because I asked Russell about it because I was looking at the DVDs and he's like, don't pay that much for them. Don't pay that much for them. And I'm like, <laughs> that's I also won't. fair. I won't. Um, um, yeah, Overman King Ga- uh, Gainer, I've heard is really good. And I, I still want to watch G Reco because I, I think if the movies, I really them releasing four and five simultaneously makes me a little nervous yeah but i'm I'm really hoping that uh i'm really hoping they stick the landing and i'm i'm excited to see them because um and it might be a case too of you know with covid and all that they probably would just decide to work on both of them at the same time when they had the work done or something like that that's Who also knows? fair so. um i i do think that uh you know for as as much as, as of a weirdo tomino can be I, I do think he has a genu- genuine love and admiration for the youth of today, and that's what G. Reco strikes me as. Mm-hmm. Like, even even when, like, the kids are messy, and the kids maybe say things that, like, are act against their best interests, like, they do still have, like, their own perspective. And everything I've heard about G. Reco, everything I understand about G. Reco, seems to point in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um... And I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like if my vision of what G Reco is turns out to be like the vision Tomino it has like successfully created in these movies, I'm gonna be very happy. Cause I, I think like even if it's not as good as Turne, I think it'll still be like kind of the best way he could leave the industry, if yeah, that makes sense. I agree with you on that. Um and I'm excited to see those movies as well, because I hear um, from Tom Asnable and other folks that those those movies really uh, clean up the G. Reco story a good bit. Yeah. Um, which I'm I'm cool with watching something uh, Tomino esque that is incomprehensible almost like Wings of Reen. Um, but I, I do like the idea of checking out that story kind of in a more cleaned up way, so you, uh, with the message a little more sharpened. Alrighty, any more Gundam things on your end before we hop into this summary? Um, let me think. <laughs> uh, let's see. I mean, I've been going through uh the original Gundam um because I haven't watched it since college, and that's been about six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've been going through it like very slowly. Like it's a show I like to put on when I'm doing my laundry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's been it's been a lot uh, slower, but like I guess like because I've been taking my time with it, I I really do think the 
finer details uh, show themselves a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is what I wanted to ask. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you've now seen enough that I can ask you who's your favorite white base character or who's your favorite character in general first, and then if they're on if they're not on white base, who's your favorite white base crew member? Favorite character. I have to say Sela. Um, That's fair. I love Sela. She's just like, there's stuff going on. Like it's like they're paying it up pretty obviously with her and Char. Mm-hmm. But I I just kind of like how she's like, yeah, the situation sucks. I'm gonna do what I can and try to keep things going. I also like Fraubo too. Um, Fraubo's fun. Like they they seem to be in a lot of cases like them and Ryu seem to be very much the voice of reason. Um, I yeah like the, uh, with my rewatch I was actually kind of surprised with how much I like Ryu because <laughs> mm-hmm. like I I remember liking him um but I also remember there being just kind of a I don't I don't even know but like kind of coming back to it I'm like wait no the, Ryu's fucking awesome mm-hmm. oh my god I love this guy. <laughs> Um, I think my favorite character is actually Mirai. I'm a Mirai stan. Oh, yeah, she's um, great, too. She's great. Uh, and I, I think she gets done a little dirty. Uh, I, actually, I don't need to talk around spoilers. You've seen movie three. Yeah. Um, with the, with the slugger business. Yeah. He's like, oh, God, oh, tugging the collar. for him. No. Oh, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I, I think ignoring that... <laughs> Which yeah oh that's that's like the low point of the show for me mm-hmm. um but man I love Mirai I think she's great she's great yeah because it, it like because I, I can't you mentioned Mirai and I can't help but think about Bright and you see how like he gets thrown in the middle management right away and he's like mm-hmm. I don't know I I I I'm just gonna be forceful right away because I can only double down and I'm like part of me kind of gets that but at the same time like. You're commanding literal children around, dude. <laughs> so I have I have two perspectives of that, and I, I want to start by saying uh, Bright's character arc over the course of Mobile Suit Gundam 2 Double Zeta might be, like, one of my favorite things in the franchise. I, I honestly think Bright's character arc is stronger than Char's, for as beloved as the latter character is. I can see um, that. Bright rules. Uh, but, like, yeah, also, like, uh, I guess, like, it's interesting because like you know bright being the only trained officer on the ship is used to this kind of um level of decorum and professionalism and he does not know how to talk like he's kind of been deprogrammed of like any kind of civilian Mm -hmm. naturality for what if that makes sense yeah it's like kind of why there's a disconnect and i'm actually going to be talking about this a little bit later in the episode so this is all still relevant information (laughs) um but uh you know he's kind of got this disconnect from like how civilians like live and interact and stuff and i i think it's very interesting kind of seeing how he treats amuro to how he treats judo by the end of the show Mm. um really good stuff because I with him I, I one big moment that comes on where the the kids come on the deck with a vacuum to start cleaning, and he yells at him. Because I see I feel like in a lot of moments it's either Sailor or Mirai that's like, "Hey, just chill for a hot second. Yeah. And like yeah, Bright has to kind of be reminded like, 
right these are civvies but he's also got to like kind of save face with his superior yeah. officers as well because he's yeah he like you said he's in like this very uncomfortable middle management position and i feel like a lot of like the way he acts uh is given additional context when you remember that he's 19 yeah and he's not he's like just a dude who is on the white base more or less just kind of he, he's a around. kid who's try like he's technically an adult but he's like, for all intents and purposes, he's a teenager who's like, has to play the role of authority. And, so it's based off of the authority figures in his life. And in um, a way, you know, now uh-huh. that you say that, he's kind of like, him and Amaro are kind of mirror images of each other in a way, because mm-hmm. the white base is his Gundam. Like, he, yeah. he has to control this thing he barely knows anything about and get this going, as does Amaro. And I can see where two people having those same confusions at the same time, putting heads like that, especially when you throw mm-hmm. a power structure in there. Yeah, there's, man, I, they're, they're so good. I, I love Bright and Amuro. Amuro might be a bit of a spoiled punk and Bright might be kind of an abusive dickhead. <laughs> but I, I think like, I, I do think there is enough backstory informing those attitudes that it it becomes justified in my mind and, and i and they're mm. far from static characters when it comes to oh absolutely like they like they change a lot <laughs> especially I'm, I'm glad that watching the show has kind of softened your views on amuro by the way because i i remember when you first watched the movies you're like oh this guy is the worst yeah. and like he still has problems but like i i find mm-hmm. his his moments more believable this time around because he hides mm-hmm. it like he hides it all the time underneath this veneer of well i'm gonna go fight the bad guy in my gundam and mm-hmm. you start to see moments where it catches up to him that he thinks he's yeah. hiding he can't hide it anymore and i'm like okay no i get this i get this now now it makes a bit more sense mm-hmm. um because it, it feels a little more realistic of how p- somebody would deal with that kind of anxiety. Or rather, as in the movie, it just comes out all for full force all at once. Or right. in the TV show, you get to see a progression of his anxiety and his depression getting up to a point where he just explodes. It, it That makes sense to me a little bit more than it does in the movies. Yeah, the, the downtime really does add a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now let's talk about Macross in this Macross podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so, Macross Frontier. We we do have some people who are going through a rough time right now, and maybe they're going to be turning around. So let's start with episode 19 here of Macross Frontier. So, as opposed to the, the desolate battlefields of the One Year War, we open up on a bright field of flowers flying, and it's a young old baby Ronka doing a doing a cry and she's holding on to a, a plush that looks like her phone um and she... which only further confuses me <laughs> yep mm-hmm. <laughs> she wants her mom to come back i'd imagine and a brera like figure which, which is just brera it's like hey are you lonely and she she uh we go back to her as she's sleeping and she's kind of crying. Um, we also see like a Vajra eye open up in the dream. Um, and 
Icoon notices this, the carbuncle, and he starts glowing green from his gut and runs on off. And um, nearby, because the place she's in has some heavy security, um, Abrera is on the rooftop playing Imo on his harmonica and notices that Icoon was running around on his infrared glasses, or his infrared eyes, more accurately, because he a robot. Um and elsewhere, um, Alto is standing at the gates of the Sat- Satomi Mansion. And in the city, there's being a big festival being held in honor of Ranka's singing that allowed the fleet to escape. And uh, the people on TV and politicians are saying this will forever be known as the IMO Memorial Day. And there's a big procession with the president with monsters right in back in front of him in his limo. And um, there's people like there's Ronka floats that could be hanging out with Sonic the Hedgehog if you wanted to. And people in their Ronka costumes. <laughs> yes. Like I, I at first I was like, oh, uh, like someone has the same hair color as Ronka. That's cool. And then I'm like, oh, wait, she's wearing a Ronka wig. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Uh, um, but we soon find out that Ronka is missing from it. She's not sitting next to the president of the limo as she's supposed to be, and he wants to make sure that she's around for the concert later in the day. Um, Ranka is actually uh, she's Clark Kenting it, wearing some glasses and running around town looking for Icoon, and she runs into Brera, who's looking for him as well. And Brera, like, uses his infrared vision to look into a trash can, and he finds a cat who just lunges at him. He's like, what the hell is this? And <laughs> Ranka just starts laughing at him um, because she's never seen him so startled before. Um, it's it's good. <laughs> we, we needed a moment like this for Brera. <laughs> yeah, because he's so uptight all the time, like a little bit of levity. It definitely helps in these episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, elsewhere, Alto is climbing through the brush because he doesn't want to go through the gate to get to the Sautomi mansion. And as soon as he climbs out, his brother is just waiting right there for him. Because <laughs> uh, um, he knew he wasn't going to come in through the front gates. And he's glad that Alto is back at the house. And uh, Alto is obviously suspicious, like as he should be. Um, then we go to the bridge of the quarter. Uh, the girls are not too happy about staying on watch for Vajra. But Bobby's like, we're only doing this because they didn't actually fold us out far enough. So, yeah. Um, and also, they have to because now they're in completely unexplored territory. A uh, frontier, if you will. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> I actually wrote that one out this time. <laughs> I thought hey. of that. <laughs> um, Straight from the dome. There we go. Onto the page. There we go. It's like I'm a writer or something. Um, <laughs> so Kathy uh, is taking the day off. We learned this from earlier on the bridge. But she's on a date with Ozma? And she's getting him a super chilly chilly talk. <laughs> It's very weird because I I saw Sonic two last night, I, oh, so I was like, oh my god. I I you know what I thought of Sonic when I saw it as well, so I'm just like, mm hmm, mm hmm, <laughs> gotta go fast. 
I don't need your power. Um, oh my god. <laughs> um, I gotta ask you about that later. So yeah, sure. Um, but Kathy notices that somebody's been tailing them, and Osmond's like, "What's up with it? Oh yeah, this hot dog. Yeah, we are a lovey dovey couple. And, so spicy. Yep." I, I th- Which I feel like them acting lovey-dovey is more conspicuous considering who her fiancé is, yep. but I guess it's fine. <laughs> I'll enjoy this. This this is a cute scene. I'll enjoy it. I did notice that he ate the paper on the hot dog, too, because I had to roll back, and I'm like... Yep. <laughs> what a savage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then we see, like, a montage of Renka and... Brera walking through town looking for Icoon, and we got all these great backgrounds are obviously from San Francisco. Like the background artists did some awesome work. Like uh, a good image that comes to mind is like Ranka. You can tell it's San Francisco because Ranka's sitting like inside. He's either staring at a wall or inside like this smoke shop, and it says like, um, Pipe Dreams, uh, San Francisco's oldest smoke shop, and I'm like. I like little touches like that. It's, <laughs> um, so, uh, there afterwards, after a little bit of walking around and we hear them talking over the montage, um, they get some ice cream and Ranka just can't stop laughing because, uh, she's like, you were so surprised at that cat. That's some funny shit. I'm going to keep on laughing. Um, posted it on the gram. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And as they're eating their cream, um, Brera's like, I'm going to protect you, as I said I would before, my lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nearby, because they're about to walk off and go looking for him again, Mike and Clan are actually right in the same area. And they're watching the watching some seals uh, that are just kind of hanging out, which which is awesome. I like that a lot. And Clan's like, "Hey, I'm take. You're going on a date with me now because I looked up all that stuff for you on Google. So you're gonna hang out with me." And uh, he's like, "Well, this is really awkward. Have you seen the parent age difference? And also, I gotta be gone because I got a flying stunt to do for the concert later." Michael should just straight up be like, "Yo, we can we can have a date at the Zentradi side of the yeah. <laughs> the fleet." Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yes, I I I feel more comfortable with the size difference than I do with the. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. The cops come up. It's like, hmm, is this your younger sister? Ooh, ooh. I've seen the Macross Frontier OVAs. That that looks preferable to what whatever it is we're currently doing. Oh boy. Um. So yeah. So um. Uh, Clan is like as they're standing there looking at the seals. Um. Clan wonders if Alto actually went to go see Cheryl, and Mike's like, "Yeah, he got off his ass and did it." And they both kind of talk about how he's a bit indecisive. But Clan's like, at least he's better than some dude I know who flirts with everybody. And Mike's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> is Alto indecisive or is he just, uh, ignorance, not the right word, but I guess, uh. I think dense is a word they use. A good dense, there we go. Failing his perception rolls. Yeah. I, 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 it might be a little bit of both. Who knows? Um. <laughs> And uh, 
Alto, we go back to the Satomi Mansion, and Alto is taken to see Cheryl, Cheryl, who he first mistakes for his mother because she's wearing one of her kimonos, but after a minute he realizes it's just Cheryl, and she's like, "Hey, why did you come here?" Um, but how she asks is very aggressive, um, like it's very at odds with what she's saying. Um, and she's like, okay, what business do you have with me? It's very hedgehoggy. Um, and we're back at the school prepping for the concert. And, uh, Nana tells Luca how, you know, Ranka hasn't been doing too hot. So I let her go to do whatever. And Luca's like, oh, I'll go look for Icoon. Just uh, draw it up for me. But, uh, he gets pulled away as he's, as she's drawing Icoon up. So Cheryl and Alto are sitting in front of the ponds court the courtyard's pond and she's like i'm not going to sing again this this is not happening i've achieved all i wanted i'm really tired i want to try something else now and alto's like well you've talked about how you've got here all by luck and also doing this all with your own strength and she's like no i was lying to everybody myself included and alto goes but you're cheryl gnome though yeah. and she's like yeah i am cheryl gnome um and they're about to like really get into it and he's just like you know what just come to ronka's show i'm gonna be flying see ya um so we go to where they're keeping that vajra corpse in that one facility somewhere and leon is talking with grace and uh, she has developed Dimension Eater bullets. So that big bomb that took out uh, Gallia 4, it's now a bullet. Um, and they're going to use it to deal with the Vajra. And she maniacally goes on. It's like, my research has surpassed Dr. Gnome and Ronka's mom. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. And they both laugh further. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I feel... So something about the show so far is that like I feel like I know the the love triangle like that that is the thing that is actively keeping me engaged and whenever we flip over to like the actual like plot and the shadows going on I'm like I have just enough context to know that something bad's happening but not enough context to know like what is actually happening. Yeah, I can feel that a little bit. I feel like I have I say this every week but every week I'm more baffled cuz I feel like there's I, there's something that like was revealed that I'm just missing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so I here, here's my weekly check-in. Did I miss anything? Was there something that I should know about like what she's doing to like further Dr. Mao's research or whatever? I don't think so. It's okay. just Vajra literally okay. and stuff, I think. That's it. Because um, I, I feel like every time they're talking about something and I'm like, I want to be in the know. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, not even in like, a, oh, I have to keep watching so I can figure out. It, it's like, no, just tell me at this point, please. Yeah, because we're like... We're 26... This is a 26 episode series! And we're like in the final arc now, so... <laughs> I just... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like, at least at least Macross Frontier had the decency to be like, yeah, the villains just aren't that deep. <laughs> mm. Uh, not Macross 7 is what I meant gotcha. to say. Macross 7 had the decency to be like, yeah, I mean, like, the villains are there. 
they're 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 boogeymen. Like who really cares? Like he look at Neki Bostra. Yep. He's eating mm-hmm. a leaf. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. So obviously, her and Leon are were so evil, and they're uh, going to be using Ronka's concert as part of their plans. Like, I learned this viewing session that Leon was planning to stage a coup. And, like, I'm like, maybe that was talked about? Because I know he's been scheming a lot, but, mm-hmm. like, I didn't actually know what his plan or his endgame was. And, and I still don't. <laughs> they still haven't. This is the first time they talk about the coup, really, other than... Okay, good, good. Okay, good. I just... This is what I'm talking about, though, Coop. I, yeah. I'm doubting my own memory, because I'm like, I feel like I should have known this. Yeah. Because we talked about how the setup to get here, like, in the last couple weeks we watched, was kind of messy. And you can kind of feel like they're there now, but now they have to clean up the mess a little bit while getting right. there. Right, and I, st- I still feel like I'm missing stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll talk about that again in, like, five minutes. We can continue with the yep. summary. Sorry. You're good. Um, so, this sniper guy wants to figure out what's going on as well. No, he doesn't. Uh, he rode his <laughs> rifle as the president is rolling up to the school for the concert. And then we get this awesome Bobby eye catch. It's like, again, I, I texted you. I, I spat out my drink when that happened. I love Bobby. It's so and good. That, that's, that's the end of that statement. He, he just says, like, he just does this massive grunt and it's so good. <laughs> oh, Bobby's the best. Um, love him. Bring him back for another Macross series, please. He's so good. Please. Um, so we're in back in Cheryl's room and she's looking at photos of Alto and his mother um, before his brother comes back in the room. It's like, well, you're quite the actor. I saw a little performance you put on there and she's not really talking to him. He's like, well, you know about Alto's mom, Mio, you know, she was kind of frail, wasn't in the best of health. She passed away when Alto was 12. Um, and she then asks him, so, so did you bring me back here? to remind Alto of those times with with his mom so he can bring him back into the kabuki fold, huh? And his expression's like kinda, kinda not, and she's like, no. Um, Because he's like, eh, no, but you know, I won't give up. Before he goes on about acting uh, being acting and performing being kind of a sweet poison once you do it it's like you, you need to get mm-hmm. in that next fix and share he's like you know this very well cheryl um we're not so different you and i <laughs> <laughs> um alto's brother is the villain of macross frontier <laughs> Uh, I, I kind of felt the quote, though, a little bit, having done a little bit of acting and performance stuff before. It's like, no. Oh, yeah, no, it, it definitely hits. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to deny that. Mm. At the same time, though, I'm like, bro, you kidnapped this one? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because, <laughs> like, especially you can see he was using, because especially when Alto thought, oh, you're my mom at first, I'm just like, oh, you're, you're um to <laughs> manipulate mansplain male wife yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cuz he's like oh these two frail um, these two women who were had were had frail health they are important in my brother's life how can i manipulate him to bring him back into kabuki huh <sighs> 
Get out of here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, brother. Um. So yeah. Like, man, I, 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 I. I see what you have to say, and I appreciate it, but also get the fuck out of yep. here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, what, what's that hard, uh, hard drive article? Maybe it was an Onion article, but it's, like, heartbreaking. The worst person you know made a good point. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That's good. Um... Speaking of uh, points made by the worst person ever, well, there's some terrible people here about to make a good point because Ozma and Kathy are sitting in his car and they have enough evidence to nail Leon to the wall. On the the evidence we didn't see them gather! Yep, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. God damn it! Uh it's fine. I like this show. Mm-hmm. I, I like this show. I, <laughs> it sounds I'm not like... saying that to... Like, it sounds like I'm convincing myself or... But no, I do like this show. But like, goddamn, does this... I, I'm calling it the B-plot. This is the main plot! Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the conflict! <laughs> but it, it feels like the B-plot, and uh... I think that's what's driving me crazy. Wait. Because this is this feels like the B plot, but it's the A plot, and the Vajra stuff actually feel is the main plot, but it feels like the B plot or something like yes, that. Yes, and it's like again, Macross Frontier was the same way. And even if we go back to the original Macross, I I guess I like looking at the original Macross. I just feel like there was a healthier balance between the the Zentradi Macross conflict and mm-hmm. but also Hikaru's love triangle. Um. And here it's like, it's all the love triangle, and the love triangle's very good. And I like the love triangle. And, but like, everything else is like, okay, there's a lot of intrigue going here. But like, not only does it feel like a lot of it is getting like, explained in, like, with the snap of, 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 uh, you know, someone snapping their fingers. I also feel like I, I didn't see the moment when the finger snapped, and I just have to take it for granted that it happened. <laughs> Is like in some moments there's been like some light stuff, but most of this is just like, oh, here's what happened. What? Can, can you build this up a little bit? Would have, like, not even fifty, like thirty six episodes yeah. would have done this show so many favors. Mm-hmm. Again, which makes me excited to revisit those movies because they tighten that up a good bit. Um, mm-hmm. But with. Let's go to the park, Dylan, because Brera and Ranker are there, and uh, they have no luck finding Icoon. And uh, she's like, well, you, you kind of feel like an older brother to me, she says. And uh, he's like, do you have a little sister? And he's like, well, I don't really remember anything. And she's like, I, I don't remember anything either. That's great. And he's, he says, so why do you sing? And she's like, uh, I guess I like it. And she isn't as peppy as I am because she's kind of sounding down. Because um, mm-hmm. she's like, you haven't really sound happy at all recently or a lot of singing. Like, again, I'm going to ask you, who do you sing for and all that? And she remembers her first encounter with Alta at the park before realizing, oh, I don't sing for everybody like I say I do. I sing for this one guy with the blue hair. Um 
so we go to the concert and she's singing interstellar flight at the school and the boys take off to do their flying routine and their people in Vajra cosplay <laughs> Vajra and Valkyrie cosplay <sighs> that's what it was it didn't click for me until just now mm-hmm. uh-huh. I was trying to figure out what those helmets were and okay alright <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second to realize it too because I had to go back and like Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought you were just dressed up like a dragon just because. Okay. I thought you were all just weirdos. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, so as they're flying, uh, the boys kind of talk a little bit. And Mike mentions to Alta, it's like, Ranka's on point today. And Alta's like, hey, we got to be on point too. And then Mike tells Lucas, like, we got to be a team. Don't be doing anything behind our backs. Ha <laughs> ha. I see what you're doing here, television show. And uh, they all fly off. Um, as uh, to himself, Alta's like, I hope you see me, Cheryl. Watch me. Um, and then we get to the like a really cute moment where they're all flying during the song and they make a big heart in the sky. And it sets rank over top of it and he makes the arrow that goes through it. It's a really good little scene. Uh, <laughs> with disastrous consequences yep mm-hmm. and or i i guess drenka i i guess she takes it as a confession maybe not a confession yeah, but like a it, bit. it kind of reminds her of her affection for alto and it's like all right this is this is me this is a sign that i gotta make my move because mm-hmm. she's like yep i know who i'm dating um Meanwhile, Cheryl's watching from the shadows, and she's kind of crying a bit, because I think she might have gotten the same impression. Um, but Clan's there and keeps her from running away. And uh, Ranka changes and starts singing a different song. But hey, Dylan, one of, that, one of those Vajra cosplayers, um, they look a little weird. They look a little little wide. What, what do you... They look... <laughs> hmm... That's a really convincing Kavatra cosplay. I haven't this seen This is a yet. goofy bit, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, my, Alto and Mike didn't notice the cosplayer. The really impressive costume. They're going to win it through yeah. the anime con. Um, the animatronics on that thing is amazing. I know. It's so lifelike. Um, <laughs> Alto uh, tells because they're talking afterwards like on the flight deck at the school and Alto tells Mike's like yeah Cheryl's fine when I saw her and he's like no she's not you're yeah no like Alto you need to make up your mind about all this stuff because it's gonna come crashing down on you soon and also you know those songs she sang Ranka just sang they weren't for the audience dude they were for you um and they get into it um, and Mike almost lets it slip that sh- about Cheryl's condition. Mm-hmm. And Alta's like, what are you talking about? Grabs him by the collar. But he's not going to budge. And Alta's like, you're a hypocrite. Like, a playboy's telling me about relationships. And Mike's like, yeah, you're right. I'm a coward. Um, you know, especially in our line of work, you never know when somebody's going to go. And all my relationships have been superficial because I'm a pilot. You know, I'm scared of being committed because, you know, I could die. God, um, it would really suck if, like, he ever committed. Yeah. That would just be a huge death flag, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Just, just yeah. start lining up the pineapples. Good thing he's keeping it safe. 
Yeah, Good thing he's no. playing it safe. You know. No. He hasn't talked about um, his little cousin's favorite music box either, so I think he's fine. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, they they're about to talk a little bit further, but Cheryl surprises them with Clan nearby too, and Mike and Clan are like, "We're just gonna go. You two talk." Um, and then on the edge of the stage, Lucas sees Nana's drawing of Aiku and realizes. Oh shit, that is a Vajra larva. Oh damn. Um and then we get to um we it looks like because we've seen this bowels of the ship before, this weird oozing mass. It looks like something's hatching to this pleasant music. Oh boy. Um yeah. what's the worst that could happen? Uh, it's like no, just like a pleasant day with some seagulls. Like totally yeah. nothing terrible can happen. And um, Ozma and Kathy lay down the evidence in front of Leon's face. Like, hey, we know what you're doing. But he's like, oh, you're too late. And the sniper takes aim um, as Ronka is finished and she's running up the stairs to meet Alto. And uh, we go back to outside the school and Clan is talking to Michael. It's like, hey, I don't know if what we just did was the right thing. Um, but he's like, eh, it probably was. You know, everybody needs somebody. And Aranka is, like, confident that she's going to confess. But she runs into Alto and Cheryl hugging on the roof as uh, the first opening theme, Triangular, plays. And what? And that's episode 19. I I think that would, like, so I, I will say I do... Uh, admire the show's uh, tendency to play with whatever song plays over the credits. Mm -hmm. And, like, using the reprisal of the first theme in this moment was, like, fucking great. Yeah. I agree. So the whole song's about, like, hey, who are you gonna pick in this love triangle, fucko? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I, I just wanted to briefly talk about uh, the the parallels between all, or I guess the... um, how Michael is a foil to Alto, because I, I think it's really cool that, like, you know, Alto has multiple girls who are interested in him, and he's either too dense or too uh, indecisive, and, like, just really doesn't think about it all that much. Uh, Michael has the madman's insight of, like, yes, I can understand how other people feel, and I am acutely aware of it, and I'm just going to pretend I don't notice it. <laughs> Uh, because that is scary to me. I don't know. I, I think it's like a very fun contrast. And yeah. I really liked the uh, interplay of these two characters. Same. Especially um, when he's like, you know, look at what we do for a living. Um, mm-hmm. While also being high school students. How about that? Huh? Huh? What? what? Hey, they, they signed the contract when they joined that mm-hmm. private military company. But aren't there like... You know, they, they haven't talked about child labor laws in space at all during this series, so who knows? Don't think about it. It's yeah. anime. Yeah, don't uh-huh. don't think about uh-huh. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. It's okay. fine. I'll I'll do I'll do. Uh, I, you know, I'll just listen to what that guy Tomino said and just put it out of my brain. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe I shouldn't listen to what he says on occasion. Let's let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Not <laughs> the future is now, old man. <laughs> like in the future, we will talk about episode twenty right now. All right, so uh, we see right before 
um, Ronka gets up to them and uh, Alter reaches out to Cheryl as she's about to fall over. And he's like, I know you're lying about quitting. You know, I know you can't stop yourself from singing. Like, you've done good work. And given that I've been on stage, I know a professional when I see it. Um, and she blushes super hard, and then Ranka shows up. And then elsewhere, Clan's like, so who do you love then, huh? And we go back to the the confrontation, as I'll put it. And Ranka's like, no way. Um, and she's going to... F- she tries to run off but she trips and has a hard fall and the vajra take off and they kill the sniper who was pretty close to doing his job but nope and excuse me there's a poor there's a poor student who's walking around around the gates of the school and this sniper's corpse his top half just gets dropped on her it's a very good horror moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good uh, horror moments in this episode, yeah. actually. The, the Vajra are like, oh, yeah, you just bit that dude in half. Like, fuck. <laughs> like, oh. Just feels a lot more visceral and a lot more like, oh, God. I, I would be lying if I didn't think of aliens more than once watching this. <laughs> I could is, see that. I could definitely is, see that. Which is probably intentional. Um Ooh. So, um, the school is now a war zone. The pres- president is able to drive away, even though his limo takes a little fire. Um, and uh, Leon has his guys surround Ozma and Kathy in his office. And he's like, well, I guess our engagement's all over. And Kathy's like, no, I say it's over. Shut up. Um, <laughs> uh <laughs> I really enjoyed that moment. That's good. No, you stupid, as she's at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, And he gets a call expecting it to be, like, confirmation that the president's dead. No, it's a call from the president. And he's like, I'm on my way back, head to Battle Frontier. And Ozma and Kathy are able to take the moment to knock out all the goons. Okay, so Coop, I just read the next note, and, like, yes, they look totally like something straight out of Starship Troopers. Uh-huh. I had that exact same thought as I was watching this. Because I was seeing them like fly around and like all oh, these bugs, all these soldiers with r- battle rifles. I'm like... Like, the, the helmets and the rifles look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because there is some connective tissue there because Studio Nue, um, Kawamori, and Miyatake's studio who's done a bunch of the Macross design work over the years, but if not all of it, um, they designed a powered suit uh, from the novel version of Starship Troopers way back in the day, and there was an animated short of it. So Everything is fucking connected. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I keep on learning this, and it becomes cool and scary all at the same time. <laughs> we're never free. Nope, we're never free. Never. Can't escape from crossing fate, Dylan. <laughs> So, um, Alto goes to Ranka, begging her to sing the song to calm down the Vajra. And she refuses, like, I can't sing like this. And also, I'm not going to be used as a tool in this war against the Vajra. No. Um, but Cheryl comes in and bright slaps her, um, before giving her a hug. And it's like, hey, I understand what this is like. Like, singing when you're not feeling good. I get this. But... 
you know, you're a professional now. You need to have some level of control. And, you know, your voice has a power. You can do good things with it, even if mine doesn't. Um, so Ranka agrees to start singing. And Nana hears her and runs off in her direction. And as she's singing, Ranka can't help but admit just how much she hurts right now, which causes the Vajra to just swarm in frenzy. And Grace is watching on like, hmm, yes. <laughs> and a swarm of, like, like a locust, the Vajra surround the city. And while seeing the fighting Ozma's having flashbacks to the loss of the 117th, uh, Ronka's colony. And Leon confirms with Grace that this wasn't her. Um, and he's like, I'm going to sort this out myself. So we get back on the quarter and uh, they get word that the Vajra, tons of them are folding in outside the colony. And back inside the ships, um, the skies are dyed red when the Vajra just flying everywhere. And Luca takes a guess that the particular island they're on is where the Vajra have been breeding in particular, like the main island. And they plan to head to the SMS base. Um, and Nana, let's see here. Um, Nana says something about doing her best, uh, Haranka, with everything that's happened. Um, but Luca's like, you know, I think we could use an amplifier and have your singing maybe work better or something like that. And uh, the battle continues, and the destroids that are walking around are overtaken by the Vajra, and a stray blast from one of them shoots down the middle of where everybody's hanging out, separating Cheryl and Nana from Ranka and the rest of the boys. And Nana's hurt pretty bad from it. And uh, Cheryl tells them to run off, head to the base, get the weapons, and... When questioned, Cheryl's like, do you know who I am? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Ronka is still in shock as everybody runs off. Alto grabs her hands like, oh, this hand's warm. It reminds me of somebody else's. Thinking of Brera, obviously, back in the, mm -hmm. we're baby days. What? No, that can't be Brera. Oh, huh? Huh? What? Uh, not at all. Nah. So, as the battle continues in space, ships are popping like balloons as the quarter is trying to defend the fleet. Um, Brera is looking for Ranka in the city, but Grace is like, no, get in your Valkyrie, get out of here. Um, and she's pretty confident that Ranka will be unharmed, being the little queen and all that. And she tells... Uh, it's like I'm gonna force you to. I'm gonna dummy plug your ass if you don't do, don't listen to me. Um, so he does, and he like mentally links with his uh, VF27 and sends it out. Dummy plug your ass sounds like a euphemism. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> I'm sorry, bit. I just needed you to know that. <laughs> mm. I'm not thinking of how you could like like me make memes of it. Like, d oh my god, my brain just went. Tummy plug that ass. But now I go, yeah, it does sound like a euphemism. Anyway, um, whew. so um, top men are with the president 
as he's like in the underground chamber to get to Battle Frontier. And he calls about Renka's safety, but he's also met by Leon. It's like, everybody's moved to the Battle Frontier. We got all under control. And the president's like, good. And then Leon and his boys open fire on him and kill him. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, and getting to the SMS offices, um, Mike finds um, a dead non-military personnel sitting there who's been caught up in the fighting. And he, he's pretty shaken by this and clan's like hey get a grip we we gotta we gotta do something luca you get the manifest of the weapons oh okay so we have some ex gears and some valkyrie stuff good i have a plan we can make this work and um back in the secret passage ozma and kathy find the president's body um obviously when she calls up for her dad you can tell it's ooh, ooh. um so clan is preparing she's getting ready to micronize and so she's she's undressing yeah and uh she asks mike like hey you got to answer my question right now before i hop into the tube here and he's like i'm not i'm not sure anymore she's like yeah you are a coward and punches him and before saying hey i do love you and i'm telling you because you look at the situation we're in um and She's like, I feel kind of the same way you are. I'm scared to say this because I'm scared I'm going to die. And then she runs off. And Alto provides, uh, runs after her providing cover. And Mike's right in front of them. And then we go back to the shelters. And Cheryl's hearing, she's sitting there with Nana. And she's hearing people worry about Ranka and losing confidence and everything. They're, they're worried this is the end. And she attends, she also hears specifically Canaria's husband and her son. They're worried in particular, you know, that, hey, your mom's going to get this for us. We're going to be fine. Um, and then she thinks of the words Alto said about how she brings hope to people. They're singing. And she takes a gaze at her earring. It's like. You know, can I still do this? Can what I say actually still reach people? And she resolves herself saying, you know, if Ranka supposedly is a songstress of hope, I'm going to sing for people in the midst of despair. And she refastens her earring and starts singing Diamond Crevasse. And, oh, Elmo's here in the, here in the, <laughs> in the chamber I was as happy well. to see him. Me too. <laughs> um... Because he peps up and the people in the chamber start start to calm down a little bit. And the fighting rages on in space. And we see Canaria fighting in her monster. And also grasping of the picture of her and her son. And then you have, because um, this is also kind of a montage now. Kathy is grieving for the death of her father while she's balled up in Ozma's arms. And we get back to the micronizing chamber. And Clan is getting big. And Luca's setting up uh, the fold gear for Ronka to be able to sing. And the boys are continuing to cover them. And my, as, like, uh, Alto and Mike are, like, guarding this one specific door. And he tells Alto, you know, if you really love somebody, you better risk your life for them. And a, a swarm of the Vajra break into the room from behind and Mike runs to protect the pod from further attack as it's been dented a little bit. But he gets skewered by Avadra and loses what he has left in him to kill it. 
and he might have, you know, he might have survived, but the blast in the room opens up the vacuum space, and he gets sucked out. But before this, he says, you know, clan, I love you, and he gets thrown out, and the wall reseals just before Alto can get to him. Oh. It's fucked up. Yeah. They 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 got me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, that that hurts. Damn. <laughs> um, um yeah, cuz I I feel they, like it's been a while. Like Macross Frontier got me too comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So let me finish this up real quick. Um Okay. Cuz she's uh Cheryl's in the shelter and she cries a little bit and that tear turns into a sparkling in space before it turns to black and then after the credits we see a shot of um michael's glasses all cracked just sitting there and that is i'm going to tell you right now there's a version of that was that meme i was referencing that somebody was mecha images with music playing that song over a pair of cracked glasses and i'm like oh dude you didn't have to do that you, di- you didn't have to randomly assault me with that brutal ass death and it's now even more right. brutal that I fully remember it now. Damn. <laughs> it's like I guess cuz you know Kakizaki's one thing. It's like, you know, he's he's around and like, you know, he's kind of a nice character, but you you don't really get too attached to him. Mm. Roy is, you know, a different story, but like, you know, Roy's kind of the mentor character, but like, you know, when when it's the peer, when it's the I'm not going to say rival character, but, like, Michael is, was, like, so much more integral to the, the plot of Frontier than, um, I would argue Roy or Kakizaki were in the original. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, even Gold, like, you know, Gold is, uh, it's, it's kind of a redemptive death, uh, is the way it's played. Um, here it's just like, oh, man. This guy didn't need to die. <laughs> yeah, because even the deaths in 7 and 0 are kind of not... They're kind of fodder deaths, unfortunately. I hate to say it like that, but... No, but you're totally right. Like, if you asked me who died in in uh, 7 or 0, I couldn't tell you, honest. Like, okay, zero, 0, I know who dies, um, obviously. But, um... Yeah, it's just like... Oh, okay. Yeah. Like... I would kind of agree with the idea if anybody were to put it forward, this being me, that maybe so far in Macross, the two most impactful deaths have probably been Roy and Michael. Well, if we look at Robotech, we could say the entire bridge of the Macross oh, dying. Oh, that is... too. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. I, remember, I remember that fucked me up when I first saw that, and I was like relieved to know that wasn't actually how it ends. Uh-huh. <laughs> You made my stomach drop when you said that. Yeah, dude, oh, Claudia oh. dies. Claudia, Shammy, Vanessa, Kim, uh, Global, like, they're all dead in Robotech. Uh, you didn't deserve to go out like that. Uh. No! Uh. Boy. <laughs> it's like the biggest, like, what the fuck? You didn't have to do this Mm-mm. moment. Mm-mm. Uh, but no, they're they're fine. Um, <laughs> unlike Michael, <laughs> yeah. Um. um. Also, I guess to call back to the beginning, um, 
Yeah, uh, that that whole thing about like, yeah, maybe like it's okay for moments of intimacy to be shut. It, <laughs> buddy, I'm glad that like <laughs> we're reaching a moment where like anime fandom's big enough that we're just even even if like you know we're westerners, we're across the the pond. Like, I'm glad there's pushback on like the whole like clan thing. Like, bruh, yeah. bruh, yeah, bruh. Bruh. Because even the show points it out, like... It's like, <sighs> everyone's conscious of what you're doing, like... Bruh. It's like, anime trends. And the show's like, anime trend, we need to have a talk. <laughs> and it's like... <sighs> which doesn't ab- which doesn't absolve it from going into anime trend. But it feels like maybe the one way... Uh, a creative was able to say something about it that they couldn't say in person because and it's like even uh, if you point to the example of like it's all right clan's actually like what a 17 year old girl like hey buddy she's still a 17 year old girl yeah (laughs) which like yeah i know like hypocrite cheryl has also been put in a lot of uh male gazy situations that makes me uncomfortable too i don't know what to tell you (laughs) Uh... um so yeah, I just come on, guys. We're 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 we're, we're better than this, right? Uh-huh. Right? Come yeah. on. It just it just you talking about that because I watched some City Hunter the other night, and I'm all like, oh, all the women they show in in like bikinis in like suggestive situations are adult women, and most of the time, like when something like uh, Rio Saiba does something like really creepy, they usually punch him in the face. And we're all mm-hmm. good. Like, I mean, even, like, I would say even, like, watching Cobra, because I'm currently going through Cobra, I still feel a little weird just because of, like, how male-dominated the industry is. Yeah. Like, and how much it fucking shows yeah, in some obviously. of these earlier works. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, yeah, at least I can, like, I'm not going to say give it a pass, but, like, no. it doesn't feel as gross because, you know, this was... God, I can't even say it was before the lolly boom, but like no. you know, it's just like because you look at like frigging uh, Kenichi Sonoda doing uh, gunsmith cats, like ah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like it's it's always been there, but it's just kind of like the fact that like <laughs> um, it's it's being used for like this like emotionally significant moment is like this huge whiplash of like i get what you're going for i do actually have some investment in this relationship because i do think that clan is like a pretty good character um when they're not playing her like she's fucking 10 yeah like Uh, uh, (laughs) i just stop it yeah michael jordan video stop get some help same yep i'm I'm there with you um Mm -hmm. oof um anyway episode 21 dylan yeah (laughs) yes i guess i guess it's just the fact that they highlighted and like a huge part of like the reason why michael isn't intimate with clan is because you know of this condition that is completely fictional and was written by the writers yeah and so to have this kind of be the payoff right before his death just feels like i I get what you're going for but also shut the fuck up and 
from what I remember, the movies do it a little bit better too, not spoiling anything. Um, okay, but that's interesting but, to hear. Yeah. Um, woof the. Um, it's like. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not explicitly ciscon but like that's always the vibe it kind of gives off like i I feel like that's the appeal of it um and it's like just questionable stuff yeah yeah Um, uh, because like i think i've seen some talk like we were talking about um somebody you're making good points about uh because to go back into an earlier talking point we're talking some people are making really good points about um people having feelings about frontier when it first aired and comparing it to uh, um robotech and saying oh this is too anime and i'm all like one i i agree with the criticism of too anime but also you look at the specific brand of like 08 aughts anime like we can enjoy that mm-hmm. at times for it's like it's warts and all, but sometimes yeah. it kind of makes you go, "This like it's not the good cringe." If I can, if if I can put it that way. And, yeah, it's just, and I, I'm sorry, I feel kind of weird soapboxing because like I definitely do kind of joke about like, hey, this character is attractive, but I, I guess it's like, there's, I guess there's a a layer of objectification to to like this kind of relationship in my mind Mm -hmm. that just like does it doesn't feel like it does anything for anyone like nothing constructive like nothing good can come out of this depiction of romance no um it just it it, it's my my i I really i feel like i have to choose my words carefully because i'm i i'm feeling the same because i'm i'm my my brain's coming at more just when the show is made and the trends it's going for. And yeah. when I think of things, how can I put this? Things that are like, Cause I like, you know, stuff like this is again, always been around like since the eighties. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like even before this is kind of the era where it hit like critical mass. Yeah. Um, and, and all that energy has been nowadays has been thrown into like idle games and gotcha stuff. So you don't mm-hmm. see it. I, I, again, as we, I mean, I feel like there's a conversation to be had with Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, but like, I don't watch that show, so I really yeah. don't feel like I have to make a statement or a stance there. Like, whatever, that's someone else's conversation. Um, but I'm watching Macross Frontier right now, and buddy, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you, um, I, I just. And I'm sorry. We, we'll move on to the next episode because I or because uh, I realize that this is running a little long. But I, I do feel like I need to say I, I need to pick this apart. Yeah. Because it's it's just like I, I think part of it is also just like because I can acknowledge that like I can acknowledge that Michael and um uh clan are the same age. They are two consenting teenagers. Like you know, there's there's all this. There's that whole layer of it. Um, like, I, I do respect the agency of these characters, and I do actually buy into their romance, um, but just, like, the entire depiction around it to play into this appeal just feels really gross to me, um, yeah. and it's like, you know, even in-universe, the characters feel gross about it, and so it's like, 
there's this acknowledgement of it, but like to have that kind of be the denouement of their relationship. Um, yeah. I guess it's not the denouement because like you, you still see clan grieving, so it's not the actual like punctuation on it, but like to have that kind of be the moment of the confession to like where she, you know, she's in her micronized form, so she appears to be a little girl, and she strips down because she has to go into the, the micronization chamber, um, and, like, have that be the justification of her kind of exhibiting a more, quote-unquote, adult sign of affection, um, is, like, whiplash that, like, just doesn't need to be there, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't do anything for the relationship. It doesn't it's only there to appeal to that kink, I guess. Yeah, I... And I guess, like, that that's, like, the thing. It's, like, this isn't, like, actually making a statement. It's not, like... It's just this shallow appeal to a kink, and I hate it. And I'm sorry. And... <laughs> Where it's, like, other, other examples of this, I'm, like, this is gross. Like, I, again, like, I think the objectification of Cheryl in some ways... No, in, in most ways is gross. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, like if she is a 17 year old girl um and even if she's not like the, a lot of it feels weird but i can at least like see it as like you know teens are at an age where they're thinking about sexuality and they're thinking about this type of thing and even if i don't agree with it and i don't agree with it i think it is i think there is a conversation to be had about it and around it and i think like there is some merit in like a teenager who is thinking about this like, having these examples where they are, like, kind of grappling with the idea of sexuality. Mm. Um, I feel like there's a greater conversation to be said about, like, who gets to make th those works and, you know, all of that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I still feel gross about it, but, like, here it's just, like, there's nothing here. There's actual, absolutely zero here. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I have to put my foot down there. You, you said it better than I would, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't even call it a kink, because there are healthy, consenting kinks that are, that are, like, yeah, not to... when, when I call it, when I call it kink, I, I really mean it insofar as, like, this is a, a appealing to a, th there's no constructive, there's no, um there's no emotional level on which i it's think you good. can justify this scene it it's, just it's, comes across as completely objectifying it's um <laughs> that's no. it's it's eh, eh, yeah eh. um sorry i'm gonna get off my sjw soapbox or whatever but like nah, I, yeah, I, th no. I think it's stuff i can't it's, abide by it i think it's stuff that's worthy of being pointed out um yeah because even when the show points it out, I, I think like the creators are like, "Hey, uh, we were told to put this thing in this show, and even we're not crazy about it, and we can't right. say anything to our superiors about it, or they'll fire us." So right. it's yeah, yeah. I guess it's like, cause sorry, like literally right before we start recording this episode, like there's some guy raising a huge stink about like. Oh, uh, they gave the nine-year-old girl wearing a skirt in Chrono Cross, they changed her panties to bloomers. And I'm like, you're a fucking weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> what artistic statement is being made by that? Like, when people complain about censorship, it has to be in service of, like, an actual 
artistic decision, not just like you know, it's like censorship for Ah Yeah, it's it's it is a big spicy meatball topic. Um Yeah, like I, I don't say big spicy to downplay it. It's just my way of being like, ah, it's a lot. Right. Just like <laughs> Mm, this episode's running long, yeah, but I'm really actually, no. like, just incensed by this. No, I get that. Um, because I... No, I'm there with you. Because I, mm-hmm. I was... Because uh, when I was recording with the Giant Robot guys last night, it was... At the end, I was talking like, man, animators... Boy, they should get to do... Oh, and I went on and on and on. And to their credit, they're like, this is a good conversation. Thank you for being here with us. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. <sighs> yeah. And like, just so it doesn't seem like I'm being... um, Like, there are shows I really like that do this. Like, mm-hmm. really like. Like, I love Dear Brother. I think it's weird as hell that there's like a couple scenes where the main character is in a shower scene. Makes that show kind of hard to recommend to yeah. people. You know, like not to not to uh, mention like because the show's great, but also there's a lot of that show's fucking heavy. <laughs> yeah, I mean the show's fucking heavy, and I I don't necessarily think like that's a mark against it. No, um, but... I I do think it's like you know know what you're getting into before you watch that show, yeah. but um at the same time like I I think these are topics that need to be talked about, and I think like people even of, like, a younger age, deserve, like, the right to have exposure to these types of things and to be able to think about them. I uh, I will uh, recommend, for any of you who are interested in more thoughts on these topics, I know specifically, I think there was an article about Dragon Maid on Anime Feminist. They have a lot of great articles over there talking mm-hmm. a bit deeper with a lot more tact and authority than I, at least I can speak for myself than I know I would. So please check that out when you get a hot moment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. okay i think i think i'm ready to move on okay. i just yeah i had to put my foot down there because it's like <sighs> I get yeah you. okay we're I good get you. <laughs> all right so um the foot is down we're on episode 21 so on the battle frontier the main shell of the main island has been confirmed was penetrated um leon uh goes on the bridge ordering a separation he says well i'm in control now president's dead um it's like uh oh, but how did the president dead but vadra is how president dead oh okay i guess you have power now um did i just speak in english i guess i did um and then uh we see kathy and ozma on the run um and they're assuming what would happen if leon takes power they're trying to get get to the battle frontier but they're sealed off from the area because it gets all sealed off going for uh departure and leon has this villainous look is like it's my turn on the xbox now brother (laughs) um and uh with Ranka in tow, uh, Alto and Luca plan to make a mad dash for the next island and confirms with the clan that they're ready to go and she's ready to go and she's coming up an elevator chute grasping on to Michael's glasses and her fingers and she is strapped up in giant form with 
all of uh, Michael's Valkyrie packs and missiles and the gun pod. And she's planning to launch a one-woman assault, allowing everybody else to get out of there. Um, which is kind of cool, <laughs> seeing her all, go, <laughs> all toted up with all the guns and missiles um, and just flying around. Um, so we get back to space. The quarter is about to be taken out by a Vodra cannon blast, but the battle frontier shoots right past it and does away with it. And the <clears throat> and the commander of the uh, Bell Frontier is not sure how much good the, the cannon will do them, but Leon's like, "Shut up!" Um, and also, he's talking with Luca on the phone, and Luca's in on this plan. Oh, great! And the Battle Frontier is ordered to continue covering the fl- fleet with the Macross cannon, and uh, Leon demands they open a line to the quarter. And then on Island Free, Luca shows um, Alto and Ranka this little nuke, a fold nuke called the Little Girl, which is an obvious reference to uh, the bombs they dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh, boy. Oh, um, yeah. So the plan is to lure the Vajra. Uh, to the island using rock as singing and fly out and detonate the bomb and uh, realizing <laughs> Luca turns Machiavelli in, in yeah. like two episodes oh damn um, <laughs> and all like I think the thing that's really getting me the most just knowing the history and their naming scheme for that bomb it's like it's hitting me a lot right now because mm. like a lot of Macross, especially the originals, like a lot, you feel a lot of post-war. It's like made in the shadow Absolutely. of post-war. And this is the f- first time I've really felt it here mm-hmm. because it's been so much bush tinted that you're not really. Yeah, I could definitely see that. You're not feeling that core again. Cause like, cause like this is just from like an American perspective, mm-hmm. the bush, the, the bush, War, like remembering growing up in it, the Bush era stuff almost felt like, and this is not to bl- downplay it because it's real serious shit, obviously, but it felt like for Americans a fashion choice, like the ultra patriotism and all that. Yeah, and it, it feels like that fashion choice bled into so much media, Macross mm-hmm. Frontier included, and even the Wings of Reen when we were talking about it. Though the Wings of yeah, Reen, yeah, was way more pointed on. Um, and even Macross zero to a degree on, hey, maybe the Americans should leave their base in Okinawa. Maybe they should, you know, stop doing this soft. It's still imperialism, but in a way soft. And no, it's not even soft imperialism. It's still just imperialism. Stop doing this imperialistic shit, even though they're saying they're not. Um, like I still feel vibes of that, and it just. That that just sticks out to me because there hasn't been something mm-hmm. like even directly. Maybe if I maybe I am reading too much into it, but even directly that forceful where you hear that name and the gut, your gut just drops legitimately. Yeah. Like 
I know. That's just something that get me. Were you saying something? Sorry, I just kind of... No, I, I wasn't that. saying anything. Sorry, I was just listening to what you had to say. Gotcha, because I thought you had a point for a second, but I can't... No, no, up. not this time. Um, I'm still recharging, <laughs> gathering my energy. Uh, so, Alto grabs Luca by the collar, and Luca's like, well, I did this to protect her at any cost, though he remembers that he's already failed, because, you know, I don't think... I, I think uh, Nana's going to be wearing an eye patch for the foreseeable future. Mm. Um, and Luca is convinced they have no more options based on what happened with Michael. It's do or die now. And Alto thinks, yeah, it's either them or us, thinking back to his conversations he earlier had with Ronka. So Ronka agrees to sing. And uh, Leon's planning to evac um, Island 3, which houses, houses for, Formo, where all the Centrati are. And he's just like, just shrink them all. Get them onto a different island. I don't care. And we're going to sacrifice Just completely it. displace them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> so they're going to use it to set off the bomb and sacrifice it. And uh, as she's prepping to sing, Alta's like, I'm going to protect you. And she's like, hey, I think I'll be okay this time. So Brera shows up after he flies away. It's like, hey, you don't have to sing if you don't want to these songs they belong to you at the end of the day and she starts crying but she's like it's gonna be okay you know i just want alto to hear this even if he actually can't hear it from his valkyrie <laughs> so the valdra head her way um cheryl through the four old courts in her earring is able to hear it too and they all head to the island and as they're heading there the sms crew uses the opportunity to pick off stragglers luca shooting some down and clan especially going ham on them in her q row but despite saying she feels better now it's still hurting ronka and grace is like wow she's doing so well this isn't like how she was 11 years ago oh you're so obviously evil um Yeah, I, I think I laughed out loud when I heard her say that during the episode. I'm like, you, you've kind of, she's kind of past the point of like, I have any intrigue in what she's planning. And I'm more like, you are the most cartoonishly evil villain. And I still don't know why. Yeah. Like there's even, when we talk about cartoonish villains, like we, we, you mentioned the proto devil before and I'm all like, mm-hmm. they're cartoonish, but they play it straight. Yeah. It kind of like how in Tokusatsu, like, it's really silly, but they play it straight anyways. Like, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Where here it's yeah. just like, ha 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 ha, I'm villain, ha ha, I'm evil. It's, it's like... <laughs> uh, my first thought was uh, Commander Volgan from Metal Gear Solid 3. Mm. Where it's like, but like, even then, like, you know that the real final boss of the game is going to be the boss. Mm. So, um, like, but it's just like, there, there is so much we don't know about her plan. Like, we, I don't know what she's actually after. I don't know what her end goal is. Like, I have a rough idea, but not enough that where it, like, it feels like everything leading up to what's going on is justified. So, like, to, to have these moments to, that remind us, like, oh, yeah, just just remember, guys, she's an irredeemable monster. She's evil as fuck. It's just really funny to me, because it's like, okay, but can I can I have the actual reason why I need to be wary of her? Yeah. 
Which, uh, I'll just say here, the movies do a little something different with her, too. So Sick! Oh my god, I am so excited to get to these fucking movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um... It's gonna be, it's gonna be so funny for people to, like, listen to... Uh, anyone who like joins after our kind of re redone episode one, yeah, <laughs> to like go on this journey of like, yeah, I remember liking Macross Frontier, and come to this point where I'm just fucking going off on yeah. it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. We can move on. You're good. Um, but hey, you've gone off, and I've gone off, just like the bomb that detonates. Oh, Ranka and Co escape, but she she feels pain in her stomach, um, as it glows as it had before earlier on. I keep forgetting that's a thing as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, they've done a good job of like keeping it us conscious of it. It's just been uh two or three weeks since I had to think about it because we did the Roman holiday and also did the re-recordings of one one through three. Yeah. No, I was thinking getting into this too. It's like, oh yeah, it has been a while since we've checked this out, huh? And we're almost <laughs> at the end, huh? How about that? Right. Uh, so that that's kind of on us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or that's on me at least. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, so Alto thanks Ranka, um, but no one's thrilled about what's happened. On the quarter, the captain's like. No, this is too much. And everybody flies back. Um, Everybody is in mourning afterwards. Around the city, you see refugee camps. You see signs, missing posters. And Leon is giving these fake-ass platitudes about the loss and the tragedy everybody has suffered. Um, And at the hospital, Luke is by Nana's side. Clan is in Michael's cockpit breaking down he was keeping a photo of her in there too um uh, and the speech these platitudes he's giving uh, leon's giving is at a mass funeral tons of bodies just lined up and uh, off to the side slightly she's like well your brother's still missing in action he's actually on the run but um but leon's like hey can you sing at the funeral and i'm like really dude really um he's such a scumbag yeah because <laughs> then all the lights and cameras get in her face she's like i can't do this i he's like nope i'm not singing anymore bye and mm-hmm. alto sees this from his bunk and cheryl sees this while she's doing her makeup um and ranka runs off into the woods it's like why is it me why is it my singing with the vajra like what is going on here and Icoon is big now and finds her before he Yeah, gets... uh not gonna lie, after seeing that other Vajra attack the uh you know, attack the, the sniper in the last yeah. episode, I had a I had a moment of panic. I don't blame Like you. even though I know how this show ends, like roughly, um I like I was still like, Oh Jesus And also when he uh Icoon breaks apart to like something emerges from him because his back rips apart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Um. Well done. Mm-hmm. Genuinely well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. So, 
Um, Alto soon gets a call from Ranka, like in the middle of the night, and he runs to the park to meet her. And he wonders, like, why didn't you sing there? And she's like, well, I got a favor for you. I want to ask you something. Can you show me how to make paper planes? So they're making them. And she's like, hey, why did you want to fly? And he talks about, you know, growing up, my mom was really sick all the time. So we'd always look up at the sky and make paper planes. And my mom always wanted to see what it looked like. A real sky. You know, I was born here. And you never got to see what a real sky looks like. And, you know, thank you. She says th- he says thank you to her for reminding her, him of it. And she nervously, she blushes and goes back to working on the plane. And she sends her plane off, you know, talking about, you know, everybody really just wants to fr- live free, you included. Hey, you should come with me and my big monster friend. Aiku now is just like those other Vajra that just attacked and has the plane. And he brings out his pistols like, hey, what's going on here? And it's like, I can't. You know what's happened here. Um, But Brero shows up and knocks Alto aside being like, hey, I'm going to make this happen for you. Um, And she's like, hey, Alto, I've been able to piece my past together a little bit. I'm going to go to where Aiku's from so I can figure this all out. And he's like, no, don't do this. And Brera hops into... Brera brings up his Valkyrie with fold boosters attached and is now carrying Ranka in its hand. And she's like, you know, thinking of the past, like, I always wanted to be with you. Always, I wanted you to come with us. But you know what? Goodbye. You know, I did love you. And he's begging her not to go, but they skadoodle. And everybody knows is the bright light of the VF-27. Uh, Ozma and Kathy as they're camping. Uh, Cheryl from the deck of the Sotomi Mansion. Boy, and they manage to hack through security and leave. And Alto's left there screaming. Um, hey, uh, guess what? Yeah? This scene fucks. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> this is like... Actually, probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire franchise so far. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And I'm also like, I'm hitting myself right now because when I first saw this, I got angry at this and thought Ranko was an idiot. And I'm all like, little coop from 10 years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Ranka is so fucking based. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. So... Man, uh, yeah, this is, like, fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, like, the, um... And so, like, I feel like this is, like, a huge plot twist with all of the, like, anger I've had, like, for <laughs> the first, <laughs> like, two episodes. But, like, no, like, honestly and genuinely, I love this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about it. Uh, God, where do I even fucking start, Coop? <laughs> Should we start at the paper airplane? <laughs> yeah. Because this this uh, is all this mm-hmm. this is such a compliment, because you see this in the scenes that come up while she's thinking about Alto. This scene is such a compliment to when they first met at that park, and were throwing mm-hmm. the paper airplanes. It's like a bookend to it, which is yeah, like you like um, like you said, it's like poetry, Dylan. <laughs> they rhyme. Yeah, yeah, but like, so I I think earlier like three or four episodes ago I I talked about how. 
um, Cheryl seems to have a better understanding and a keenness to, no, a better understanding of who Alto is as a person, what drives him, what motivates him, and that's why her birthday gift to Alto was um, having him escort her so he could actually fly within the planet's atmosphere. Um, and I feel like this is the first time uh, Ronka is really like, okay, I want to know you, Alto. I want to understand you, not the picture of you that I have built in my mind, mm -hmm. the picture of you that I've built in my head, the the protector, the older brother, like the person I can rely on. I actually want to know who you are, what your passions are, what drives you, um, all of this stuff. And they actually have like an actual genuine com uh, conversation about like something from Alto's past that he genuinely cares about. That... And like, Ooh. it's this really sweet scene. Because now that I think about it, I don't think they've ever talked about Alto's family at all. Like the only person who's he's really done that with, like before this point, is Cheryl on occasion, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Like she's the only person beforehand that was like, because again, she's a lot more been a lot more deft at it, being able mm -hmm. like, hey, I respect your space. If you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. While the relationship with him and Ronka is in a lot of ways a lot more forceful and a little more. Again, I thought, especially with her pushing herself to sing the song to get the whole bomb plot going, it's it, it gave me flashes of when they first met. In a lot of ways, she was very codependent on Alto, and she's mm -hmm. broken away from that, but she still is a little bit to an extent. Yeah. And I just think that... Yeah, I, I don't know. The, like that This was just a, like such a huge display of growth, and I love it. Mm -hmm. um and then also i guess like it was kind of refreshing especially like with all the parallels to the original macross um this is basically to, to use the parallels this is the equivalent of minmei rejecting hikaru mm -hmm. um and like kind of realizing uh that their paths are like their their lives are heading in different trajectories and um even like you know because you kind of see like alto like He's kind of been programmed by uh, the military, or yeah. I guess the, the the PMC. Like, you know, he he's in such a uh, fearful state, and like this, he's kind of been programmed to think like, you know, the only resolution to this conflict is destroying the opposition, and like he is not willing to listen to whatever Ranka has to say. And Ranka realizes this, and realizes that like I can't be the one to help you. Mm -hmm. Like it's you you like. Maybe you'll figure this out on your own, but, like, whatever it is, Ooh. I have to, like, be able to focus on what I want to accomplish. And at the same And I have to leave you behind, unfortunately. And it's so fucking good. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think, too, because we think of, like, a, well, I was mentioning that codependency. The cast has kind of been overly dependent on her now, so it's like a flip on that. And she's mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to solve all your problems with my singing. That's not That's not going to happen. I'm not gonna, you know, it's, ugh. Yeah, it's it's so good. Mm. And I just think, I mean, I, I guess to, like, com compare this to, like, the, the scene between Clan and Michael, because I've spent so much fucking time talking about it, like, I, th I think it's safe to say that, like, they're both kind of a CISCON relationship, right? Mm, like, in, in so far as the terms of, like, um, the, the codependency... And, um, 
like not literal siscon they're not literally related no, no um no. but like you know that that level of dependency like there's a slight age difference um it's a little bit more exaggerated in the clan case but i feel like it's still there with ronka and i feel like i have yeah. to point it out lest i be labeled a hypocrite mm. um but like i think what's important is that like alter really doesn't start to fall for ronka until she starts to show her own independency and her own agency mm. um whereas like i don't feel like clan ever really gets that chance mm -mm. <laughs> like with clan and michael it is so much more overtly about the aesthetic mm, yeah um like because they, they they already have an established relationship it's nothing we actually really see grow and develop it's just something that we learn more about yeah um because e even in the other light relationship like we're talking of our main group like the luca nana thing is also like it's just appealing to um certain interests may you call them instead of yeah. being something like little boy and big titty woman huh huh yeah uh, you know it's uh, like he he has the fantasy of alto getting dominated by cheryl yeah um which i was surprised it's, got it's made into like... a figure <laughs> <laughs> and like <laughs> like the, the appeal of like these relationships as presented is more so the the aesthetic of it is the um like the it is it is supposed to be received as cute when um wrong not ronka when when clan is depicted as petulant and getting upset at at michael for like being interested in other women like her her petulance her childishness is the appeal like that that is supposed to be framed as cute and like you know um when when she takes her clothes off and embraces and confesses her feelings that's supposed to be a sign of a step of maturity and it's like fuck off with that in in like yeah. this very specific context like are there moments where that can be written well yes but like you would have to do a lot of work to convince me that that is how it's meant to be played here yeah um whereas like here with ronka like it the progression has been so steady and a huge thing of this relationship is seeing her slowly gain agency and slowly realizing who she is what she wants to be what she wants and needs out of other people and realizing that alto's not that for her mm -hmm. and that's awesome mm -hmm. that's really good um and yeah i guess yeah that's a I, I feel like it, I'm glad I'm able to end on a positive <laughs> note because, like, I can point to moments like this and be like, yeah, this is why I like Matt Cross Frontier. This is what I like about this show. This is why I'm excited to see the movies. And, you know, like, good job. Mm -hmm. We got there somehow. <laughs> well, Dylan, we, we, are, we, are, we are, like, literally almost done. There are four episodes left. It, that <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> yep mm -hmm. uh-huh fuck <laughs> oh, so, so while uh what a wild ride of whiplash and insanity <laughs> yeah this i think whiplash would be a good way to describe this series where we're at right now um <laughs> 
But before we get into discussing our future plans, let's let's do some plugging here. Um, <laughs> right. So as always, you can find us at anchor.fm slash you to remember. They push us on over to your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Goggle, whatever. And if they have like a review feature, feel free to write a review. Or if you like us, give us some stars. We'd love to see it. And also, if you want to yell at us, uh, we're on Twitter at Dude You Remember. And also, we have an email inbox at dyrmcast at gmail.com. And as always, huge thanks to Chris Egan's artist, game developer, really smart person who does a lot of cool things, who made the game Resistem over at Newt for making uh, the show's key art. To see more of Chris's work, see at Resystem underscore game on Twitter. Resystem is out on everything. It's a cool little uh, shoot-em-up great game and they're also working on something soon that they might announce so keep your eyes open for that and dylan Dylan, yes tell me about your uh, hot takes backstage and in the tango (sighs) i wish i knew enough about our listenership that i I know if i pissed a lot of people off or uh genuinely Uh, like took the stand i needed to take no i think you're being Uh, reasonable about it because this is it like honest, honestly, like I, I think these discussions need to be had a little more often. I'm not, I know people mm-hmm. get a little angry or perturbed when you hear somebody like me even say that because they feel like, oh, it's like the teacher talking down to me. But it's like, hey, there's, 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 there's real world things attached to this that we need to talk about because there's yeah, like I want I want to make it clear that like I'm not trying to talk down to anybody who's listening. I'm just giving my perspective on things yeah. and like lest I be misinterpreted, I want to give as much. I want to give as much depth to that perspective as possible, and so to do that, I explain it in like the most minute terms. Yeah. Um. And hopefully, like, I didn't go overboard here. No. Um, and, and I don't think you did. And, like, be honest, I understand you're – because sometimes nerd culture, especially the mecha community on, on times – and I love you, mecha community, but sometimes you can be a bit much. Um, there's just so much shit that we take for granted that we really need to poke at, even if it's, like, you know, like – I'm sorry, bro, but, like, you know, even if you like Clan as a character, even if you ship her and Michael, like, there's some things about this depiction that's a little sauce. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I gotta talk about that, because I think, like, if, if even if, like, you don't agree with me, or even if you think I'm being overly reactionary, at least you're considering what I'm saying and thinking about, like, why I might find this as upsetting mm-hmm. as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I can ask for, really. And for uh, but anyway, to mm-hmm. I was gonna say for deep thoughts like that about video games. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm also involved in a podcast about video games, and I, I talk about it with a friend of the show, Chris Wilson. We uh, get together and talk about video games through the lens of our fine arts degrees. Um. So we we kind of analyze the story. We analyze um setting character dynamics stuff like that and so if that sounds cool to you uh you hear me do it a lot here you've heard me do it a lot this episode um you can it's more chill though i i I feel like i should say um you should check out backstage gaming um which is a podcast that does exactly that and uh you can find us on stitcher apple podcasts uh wherever you get your podcasts from um, and you can also find us at uh, BSG underscore cast on Twitter. 
Um, I'm also involved in The Unexplored Places, an actual play podcast where we tell a story by playing various tabletop games. And if you like tabletop games, if you like storytelling, if you like, um, you know, Tango Sector is season two of Unexplored Places, which is the one I am most involved in. Um, if you like science fiction, uh, that's in season two. So uh, you can check them out on unexploredcast.libsyn.com or at their Twitter, at unexploredcast. Fantastic. And then, Dilla, uh, if we want the people <laughs> to be thrilled by you, uh, where can they find you at Twitter? Well, you ruined it, Coop. Um, <laughs> my, my Twitter is the Dilla. That is at T-H-A underscore D-I-L-A. All right. And if you want to see my nonsense, it's always at Strike on Twitter. And with that, Dylan, we we are going into the final reaches of the televised frontier. How the fuck do we only have four episodes left? Hey, we got three movies left, so that's I... something. Okay, three. For some reason, I thought it was only two. Okay, cool. Um, that's two, exciting. Those two and FB7. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. Uh, so... Well, that that is us this week. We will run into you next time. Take care. Yeah, see you guys. <laughs>